welcome to the Girls Who Run the World podcast, where we're bringing you inspiring guests who are leaders in their industries. We'll be tackling topics from education and empowerment to diversity and inclusion. Together, let's learn from these incredible women. This podcast is brought to you by Our Gorongosa. We create specialty coffee with 100% of profits supporting people, wildlife, and the planet in Gorongosa National Park, Mozambique. Girls' education is one of our biggest priorities because we know girls have the power to change the world. Just like Beyonce said, who runs the world? Girls! Hello and welcome back to the Girls Who Run the World podcast. I'm your host, Emily, and I'm so excited that you are joining us. As always, if you can share this to social media and tag us, we love you for it, or pass it on to a friend you know would love it. We just love being able to share this with everyone, and the more you share it, the more women and incredible people we can reach. So before we get to today's episode featuring Marisa Rodriguez, which is such a great episode, I wanted to share a quick update from our Gorongosa HQ, and that is we are, drumroll, so excited to announce we have hired a brand new CEO, and we could not be more proud that it is a woman. Her name is Patty Connor, and she is just the person to take the helm into our next iteration and really take us to the next level. So we are so thrilled and we're so proud that we have a woman at the helm now. So look at us go. Watch out world. So for today's episode, as I mentioned, we're joined by Marisa Rodriguez and she is the Director of Sustainable Development at Gorongosa National Park in Mozambique. The things that she is working on is just incredible and you can tell that she has such a passion for what she does and really has so much intelligence to back it up. So it's no surprise that she is a doctor, actually. She's earned her PhD in animal breeding and genetics from Sao Paulo State in Brazil, which is so amazing. And the sustainable development department that she heads up really catalyzes economic benefits for the communities that live near Gorongosa Park through the sustainable use of natural resources, including ecotourism, forestry, and agricultural products. So this, like I said, the work she does is just incredible. And the effect that the initiatives of this department are having are really quite remarkable. So in this episode, you'll learn what growing up in a small village instilled in Marisa She also chats about how she started her career in kind of this sustainability and agriculture realm and what ultimately led her to Gorongosa National Park. We also talked about the really interesting long-standing connection between Marisa's family and Gorongosa National Park. And we talk about what the Sustainable Development Department does and what she's most excited about that's in the works. So let's get to it without further ado. Here is episode 21 featuring Dr. Marisa Rodriguez. So welcome to the show, Marisa. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I was expecting this for a little while. (laughs) Well, I'm excited and glad you're here. So we're going to jump right on in and I'd love to hear from you. What are you most grateful for in your life right now? At these uh, moments of... um, 
at these moments with COVID and everything that we are experiencing in, in our lives, I would say that having family secure and safe, having a bubble of uh, really good friends uh, enables me to go to the world uh, and feel secure and happy. Mm, I love that. What inspires you daily? So where do you kind of draw inspiration from? I would say people and nature. Um, just being seated and look at the small things and connect with nature at that scale. Uh, and also see people and with all the, the trips and traveling and just be able to connect. It's beautiful and makes me feel alive. Mm, I love that. Nature is definitely something that inspires me too. I think if you, like you said, if you just take a moment to sit in nature, which sounds kind of cliche, but it's true. It's amazing. The colors, the sounds, just all the senses. It's so beautiful. I would love to hear from you. What advice would you give your younger self? Little Marisa was, I'll say, 100% of her time dreaming. So I will just give her the advice of keep on going, keep dreaming. Don't be afraid. Uh, If you dream it, you can do it. Mm, So good. That's actually a good segue. That's probably one of the mantras you live your life by. (laughs) I would love to hear from you. What is is a mantra? Now, that question is, I've never really thought about it, but I do have, I think I do have mantras on my daily basis. And I, I don't know if it is because of the bees and I don't want to spoil what my life was about, but I have my life regulated by a, what I call an hexagon. So I have six pillars that every day I need to think about. Uh, I, w- I wake up thinking about on the hexagon. And those, those are um, total honesty in everything I do with all the people, all my friends and family at work. So I start with total honest, honesty and emotional healing. If something is difficult, if something hurts you, just give yourself time to heal. And also spiritual growth. Uh, it's really important to connect, to pray to the universe, to the gods, to it's, it's important to feel connection, connection with your higher power and uh, a day at a time. Mm. So all of these emotions and pillars, leaving those a day at a time, it's important to know that what was yesterday, um, it's done. And tomorrow we don't really need to be thinking about, but today you need to connect and honoring feelings, not my only my own feelings, but friends, family, people around. Don't try to change the other people's emotions and feelings because we are our main character. We can only control what what we feel. And just to wrap up the six pillars, I like to put some spices on top and say that a little bit of craziness is important during your day. So I think my mantra is hexagon with six pillars. I love that. That was amazing. Thanks for sharing. As you were talking about the idea of not trying to change anyone else's emotions, I couldn't help but think of how my toddler is a really good teacher of that because their emotions are big and constant at that age. And it's really taught me that to kind of like ride the waves of it and just let let it come, let it go and keep in mind to your point that I can't change it. So Got to ride the wave. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I'm totally with you. And it's it's really important to maintain and, and get your energy and your core focused in yourself to be your better version to everybody else around you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Who or what has been your biggest teacher so far in your life? Uh, again, I don't want to be a, a, a spoiling the, the uh, interview, but um, I think little Marisa, it's also connecting with little Marisa, little Marisa and, and adult Marisa, uh, those two are learners. And I think connecting with people and uh, traveling around made me build my own self and my adulthood was built uh, on all the lessons. So I'll say that traveling gave me all the inputs to to build a stronger version of the little Marisa. Mm, It really does open your mind up completely. The more places I travel, the more I find that because I just, I love seeing just the way other people live. Because if you just only focus on the way people very similar to you live, maybe that grew up with you, that kind of thing, it creates a bit of a narrow perspective, I think. And I don't think travel is the only way that you can get that, but I think it, it accelerates it because you see, oh, wow, like this is how this other group of people likes to live their life. And these are the kind of mantras that this culture uses. And this is the way that they kind of look at family, for example. I've learned a lot from Brazilian culture that way because it's a lot different from many North American culture, I would say, most of it. So I love that. That's amazing. I would love to start with a little bit about your early life. So where did you grow up? What was it like? What did little Marisa like to do? All that. Little Marisa, I I was born and raised in a really small village in Portugal. Just for you to have an idea, uh, that village, I think, was and still has no more than 400 inhabitants. So everybody there, I could just run uh, all over the streets and everybody will say my name and make sure that okay Marisa are you are you okay what are you doing and so I was I lived there for 18 years and then I went out to study in a a two hours uh, city and I I was raised with the sense of community I have I I feel loved I feel cared in a really connected community Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Everybody knows and, and puts the finger in your life, but still you can rely on people. If you have any problem, you know that you can, you can ask for help. So little Marisa was connected um, and I felt, I remember that my room at my parents' house, I could see the, the hill, the, the mountain, uh, I, 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 in that village, I could see a natural park and there was a mountain there. So I remember to be just facing at that mountain and thinking, I really want to see what's after that. I want to I climb there and I want to see what's after that. And I took that for life. And just climbing the mountain and be looking at the landscape there wasn't enough. So Marisa, Mar- little Marizinha, was curious and always tried to see more, like creating these 
I was willing to explore, um, not only there, but around me. Um, so I was, I was raised with my, with my uncles and all my family in, a, in the same street that I was living with my parents. So my grandparents was, were, um, were there as well. I would go to, with them to collect figs and, and olives. I would see and produce my own olive oil. So it was really rooted and connected with, with the simple things um, in life. And I'm grateful for that. Mm, sounds like a beautiful childhood and one that I don't hear of that often because I think it's a little bit unique to live in such a small, small village. Like, I don't think that's that common, which is really cool. Sounds amazing. For me, it was all I knew. So I thought all the whole world will be like this. Uh, but then I was suddenly um, put in a, in a city and I was alone and it was kind of difficult because I wouldn't know everybody around me. Uh, so I couldn't just ask for help and knock to on like people's houses and doors just asking for help. <laughs> I was out of my bubble. So I needed, I needed to learn. That's uh, why I said that traveling and creating connection with people was, um, was part of the lessons that I learned. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So switching gears a bit, I would love to situate the listeners in your career journey. So now we know a little bit about how you grew up. And I can already see some pieces of your upbringing that definitely relate to what you do now. And I'd love to hear how did you get started in your career and what led you ultimately to working with Gorongosa National Park? Wow, this this is a long story, (laughs) but I will try to wrap up and put it in a nutshell. So I was connected with nature and I knew that my when I was uh, playing with my with my cousins and I was a kid I was always the one that will do the hands-on job work uh, so I always I always thought no I want to be a vet I want to be surrounded by animals but when uh, when I realized what that life means I now I need to be free as well I need to be able to be out and just connect with people and so it kind of changed the way that I that I was thinking that I will build a career as a vet and instead I I decided to pursue um, animal science degree and I tried many things uh, but the first the first experience that I had with bees with honeybees I can say that was love love at the first sight it it was beautiful I could connect I could see the little the little bees grooming each other, like a, a little society, a huge society connected in a really small scale. So I was fascinated. And I just, I remember that moment I, I, I went home and said to my parents, I know what I want to do. I want to work with bees for the rest of my life. And I will travel the world. I will take bees wings and use them to explore my own curiosity. And that's, um, that's, that was exactly what happened <laughs> in a kind of a strange, a strange way. I could connect science uh, that I was really uh, into as well and connect that with rural development. Uh, there are bees all over the world and there are many communities that rely on, on honey and 
uh, on bees. And it is really good that we can connect cultures and the way it evolved also with the way that beekeeping techniques evolved. So for me, I was delighted to see science and bees converging and narrowing in a really amazing way. And so I remember first year I was, I got enrolled in my science, animal science degree. And on the very first year, I sent an email to Gurungoza. It was what, 2010, 2011. And I reached out to them saying that, oh, I really want to do an internship there. But they were just in the uh, early stages of building, rebuilding all the infrastructure, creating themes. So I, I, I couldn't do it at that time. But what take me to, what took me to take this step was the fact that my mom was born in Mozambique, and my grandfather he will go to Gurungoza on the 60s, 70s, um, and so I always I, I grew up listening to my grandfather's uh, stories about Africa, Mozambique, and Gurungoza. So I'll say that I always had Gurungoza on my heart, and it was funny that I. I went to Brazil. I, I've done a master's in Brazil related with honeybees, animal science. I got into molecular genetics to kind of unraveling the biology behind uh, queen's reproduction and how that could be translated in a message that I, I could just be helping uh, communities and people all over the world to protect pollinators. So I want to combine biology, knowledge, and rural development. Uh, and Gurungoza was the peak of everything I, I wanted to do and converge. So I was reached out on 2020 to, to visit Gurungoza, stay there for a while as the project manager of apiculture uh, program. And at that moment, COVID was kind of um, exploding and everything was so uncertain that I, in my mind, it wasn't. I was clear that, okay, I will, my PhD, I will be done with my PhD. And after that, I will immediately move to Mozambique and live in Gurungoza forever. I was, I have, I have no doubt about that. I will just be going. Um, and yeah, and it was what happened. I was there in, uh, in Gurungoza as the apiculture program manager for a year and a half. And I now, my, my arms needed to extend a little bit to embrace different value chains. And as a learner, for me, it's been an amazing journey. Um, I've been connecting different value chains for rural development while learning many lessons. I'm, I'm grateful for that. Wow, that was amazing. You, you did a great job of summarizing because that is a lot. <laughs> the thing that really stood out for me was the connection to Mozambique and to the park that your family had, which is, I think, really interesting because it seems clearly family is a huge value for you. And it's really cool that your family was connected to the park before you even got here. On yeah. This <laughs> yeah, it was a, a coincidence. And uh, it, it, I say that it, this is a, a gift from the universe. I felt it and it happened. So it means that I shaped the way towards uh, exactly what I wanted to, to do uh, 11 years ago. Uh, and I, I'm here and I'm happy and I'm living the dream. Oh, so amazing. I'd love to talk a little bit about the sustainable development department. So that's what you are 
currently heading up. And I would love for you to tell the listeners, what is it? So the Sustainable Development Department in Gorongosa National Park, what is it? And what is kind of the mission of this department? Yeah. Imagine that you have a huge conservation area and you want to protect it and you have you have people around it. And the only, the unique way to protect the landscape is if we protect people. And so sustainable development and the department itself is a perfect blend of people, wildlife, and the landscape. And so we we develop value chains considering and having the core of, of its development on people. So we we look after valuable value chains. We look at the business side of it to uh, enhance and improve, not only improve livelihoods, but turn um, subsistence in commercial farming, training farmers, give them capacity to achieve self-reliance in in uh, in the long and medium run, and that that will be what um, will enable that region to protect uh, what is so pristine, uh, the wildlife and, and the landscape. So we, we are not only filling the gaps of knowledge, we are creating a sense and core values uh, within the communities. And uh, the, beauty, the beauty of it is that we can see the growth, we can see people engaging, we can see, and I truly believe that the unique way to transform and change perceptions is when people feel passionate about is if they love they will change it they will build the, their way towards um, a better bright brighter future if they feel uh, the ownership of it and this is exactly what uh, sustainable development department uh, does every day training people connecting people passing the the core values to the communities and our values, we work with honesty, we are passionate about what we do is, is a great part of, of our core values. And our mission is create, in a nutshell, is create an environment where everyone, people, wildlife and the landscape can thrive together in a very unique and pristine area uh, by protecting everybody and connect. Connection is, is a great part of it. Mm, that's beautiful. What an amazing thing to be undertaking. Uh, On that note, though, I'm sure there's been a lot of challenges because building something like this is not without. (laughs) That's just the way the way it goes. I'd love to hear a little bit about some of the biggest challenges that you see in within the sustainable development department and with creating this mission that we've talked about. I will say that, and we are now facing one of the biggest challenges, and it happens almost every year. Natural disasters are a great piece of, from the sudden, we need to realign and, and take the, the wheel in a different direction just to create resilience and to protect our teams and our people. Cyclones have been hitting us nonstop. And we had just uh, a week ago, a cyclone that uh, destroyed many crops, many infrastructures, and that creates a disruption on the system that we are trying to build. And so we need to be reinforcing and and 
gathering and energy from places that we don't even know that we have inside of us to to build these uh, resilience. And so the um, natural disasters are a great part of it and some uh, um, cultural perceptions special towards women. Girls have lack access to school and education and a part of our mission is also um, provide uh, opportunities and those opportunities are not naturally just there. So it's something that I see the sustainable development department having, and we, we do it and we are vectors of transformation. And that is, that's been a barrier um, for some of the work we do, but we, we are strong and resilient by now. <laughs> wow. I would love to end on kind of a positive note and ask you, as I'm sure there's a lot of amazing things going on, this might be a challenging question to answer, but I'd love to hear what are you most excited for in terms of what the sustainable development department is doing maybe in the next year, three years, what are you most excited to see? I will give you, I will give you an example of something that I felt as I, I will say in the first three months of being in part of the, the department, uh, when I arrived there to be the, the apiculture manager, I could see the change. And I, I, I would say, I will mention numbers, but I, I will also mention feelings. So when I arrived there, just taking one of the value chains, that is the one that I, I, I'm a little bit biased, uh, but I, I really love uh, honeybees and my honey team there. And so we started with 80-something beekeepers that were emergent beekeepers, and we profiled them as lead beekeepers, emergent beekeepers, and beekeepers on training. And we had only uh, we had less than ten women working on uh, on the program. After three months, we built a team with women uh, lead technicians that were all around the buffer zone, training leaders, inspiring people, and not pushing for numbers, but naturally. Family started to know, but I want my daughter to be involved in the program. I want my wife to be involved in the program. They want to be involved in the program. They want to work with honeybees. So in less than a year, we raised up the numbers from 80 something to more than 300. And more than 100 now are women that work actively on the program, inspiring more women. We hadn't a honey a proper honey facility and we are just about to, to build the most amazing honey uh, processing unit in in all the continent all the uh, all organic certified all our farmers are truly engaged in uh, organic practices and it's beautiful to see that they really understand the benefits of having pollinators of having bees planting more trees last year this group of beekeepers, they planted more than 50,000 native plants with this perception and sense that our bees, they need plants, um, they need our forests, our forests need bees. So it created a cycle of understanding and that was, a, a, that was transformation. Uh, that was learning for change. 
Um, and this is just an example to express exactly what happens in all the department, in all the value chains. So we have uh, fish farmers. We have we are now collecting uh, fish. We have cashew uh, trees being planted. Um, we have coffee, and we are planting native trees. So we have we have leaders now. It's not anymore subsistence per se, livelihoods, but also emergence and people are hatching out to commercial and sustainable farming. And that is beautiful to see, see people engaged, access to financial products and creating dialogues and connecting people um, towards valuable value chains and, and knowledge transfer. I, I love that. And I'm really inspired in the department doing this job. It's super inspiring. It's really, really incredible. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. And I also really wanted to acknowledge you for the incredible and inspiring work you are doing every day with these different value chains and really being a catalyst to support this transformation you're talking about. It's very inspiring and just really incredible to see. Now, I, I need to thank you uh, to all of you because you are the, you take the message on and you translate everything we do in a way more brighter message to reach out to, to many people. And that is beautiful. I'm grateful for that. Thank you. Teamwork makes the yeah. dream work. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to jump quickly into the rapid fire. What I'm not is ready. You're, you're like, oh, no. Uh, what is a book that's changed your life? Oh, my God. I, I, I have five seconds or can I have 10? You can have a few. Don't worry. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm really into Russian literature. I, I, but I'm, I, I'm always carrying a Tolstoy book or something like that. But I will say the, the book that really remarked um, last year uh, in my life. And it was a book called uh, Tribe. It's a really good book that connects anthropology, history, and uh, community. Um, and for me, it was kind of, okay, I felt this, I felt this before, but now it's explained in historical, in a historical kind of um, with with science uh, science facts and everything, and I, I could connect uh, immediately with the book. So I would say that uh, Tribe is a really, really, really nice book and marked my life. That recently. sounds great. I'm going to add that to my list. Where is your favorite place you've traveled? I know you've traveled oh. a lot, so you can name a few. <laughs> oh, uh, can I? Okay, let's let <laughs> I'm, I'm taking three. Okay, uh, so I will say Gurongosa. Uh, and I'm a little bit biased, but it was there. It was on the list before. Um, and it was even better when just stepping and feeling all of the stories that my family was, my grandparents were describing, everything was there. But now is there in a different way. I'm part of the story. I can grow there. I can improve my skills, be connected, create my community and be part of the community there. So Gurongosa has immense uh, emotional, it touched me, it touches me uh, a lot. Uh, but I will also mention my every first trip to Africa. Uh, it was 10 years ago 
and I went to Angola and I went directly to the bush. I was doing expeditions uh, for learning about beekeeping in the country. Angola is known as one of the biggest, uh, in the past, the, the biggest exporters of uh, honey. And so I was there just to learn about the bees and how communities uh, were working and doing beekeeping. And I was amazed. I was amused by the, the landscape, people and everything. And since then, I've been traveling to this country every year, uh, a few few times, uh, two, twice a year at least, to just uh, connect and keep continuing with, with the work there. It was where I learned the concept of bees can be used as vectors to mitigate the conflict between people and wildlife, especially elephants. So it, 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 I think it was Angola that opened my way to Gurongosa. So I, I really, I really love, and I really love be there in, in, in these two countries and they are close. So I can just make the air bridge and, and, and be traveling that's exactly what i've been doing and i i don't want to stick with any other country let's stick with angola and mozambique <laughs> okay um, i love it what's a lesson you've learned recently i know you're a lifelong learner so i'm sure you have some <laughs> yeah i i was reading these days uh, a sentence that again translated many of my feelings and i will say that I feel that we are we are all leaves of of only one tree, uh, as we are uh, all waves of only one sea. Um, so is that feeling of belonging, um, and also we need to protect because our leaf uh, and all the leaves together will make the the big piece of it, uh, and so. I think connection again uh, in the way we see the world is changing. We need to be really connected and and aware. And I am. And and I will say that the when you asked me for the mantra, the six pillars, they were developed and put it in words last year. So both two lessons, I'll say. I love that. Thank you. And last question to wrap us up here. So many incredible women in the world. This is always, you know, a challenging one. But name a woman who inspires you. Oh my God, I I didn't know. Uh, for me, I will stick with somebody that I, I know and has been changing my life uh, for the last ten years. And it's my best friend. I have incredible woman in my life. I was raised with the most amazing uh, grandmother. I I'm truly inspired by my mom. But my best friend has been uh, teaching me so many lessons. She is uh, Colombian and she as and we met in Brazil a few years ago and our childhood and the way we were just looking at the hills and trying to look for more and to learn with our own experiences. She she taught me a lot. She's from Colombia, passionate about animals, and she made her way through uh, Canada. She's now a professor at Calgary University, and she works with animal welfare, and she's been changing the way people 
work with animals, especially in animal production. And so for both sides to enhance quality of life for both animals and people. And I've learned many lessons uh, from her, especially regarding rural development and animal interactions. And a big hug for Maria Camila Sebadjus. <laughs> that is amazing. My friends are extremely important to me. So that answer really touched me. I was like, oh my gosh, my friends. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much, Marisa. This has been incredible. And I really, really appreciate you coming on. Oh, uh, I'm delighted. And I'm really grateful that you had me. Uh, my pleasure. So. Yeah. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Girls Who Run the World podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend who would love it. Leave us a five-star review and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. To learn more about Our Gorongosa, head over to OurGorongosa.com and find us on social at OurGorongosa.com.